0: everybody, welcome to another episode of the Feel Your Phantoms Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. Yes, or are you Batman?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I'm not Batman, no. but uh, I wouldn't tell you if I was. So you shouldn't. So there you go, you can chew on that all you like.
0: I, I, c- no. I can see you in the Batman outfit. I don't
1: know how you'd get in there, much less how you'd get out of it, but you know. That's the thing Like when the bat signal Goes off Ah shit They need me right now But I have to Try and squeeze All 310 pounds of myself Into a rubber suit I hope it's not pressing They're going to need To wait a minute (laughs) I got Alfred where's the baby powder And the KY jelly (laughs) Jesus Christ Is squicking Into a latex suit Ugh I just remember Reading something recently Where Michelle uh, Pfeiffer was bitching A little bit about How they had to Vacuum seal her Into the Catwoman suit I mean, have you seen that Catwoman suit? Yeah, I get that. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I have. (laughs) But she said, you know, breathing was not really a thing, so we had to kind of stop between takes so that I could actually get some air in, so I could deliver my lines, but, you know, the things we do for love and art. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Fear Your Fandom Podcast. Here we
0: are. This is uh, the middle of December, by the time you're hearing this, which means this is the penultimate episode for Season 3. We have one more left after this, and then me and Jim will take a nice well-earned vacation for about a month, and then before we start building out some new content. so. Uh,
1: well, you'll take a well-earned vacation. I'll just take a vacation. <laughs> I don't do shit. <laughs> you do plenty. I mean, I, I definitely do sh- I do shit, but like not for... As, as I like to remind everybody, you do the heavy lifting for this podcast. I just show up and flap my gums for an hour, however long we go. But you do the uploading, you do the editing, you do all the heavy lifting, so uh, I'll do credit to you for uh, oh, well. for taking on all the actual important work.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's got to get done, so whatever. But, uh, so here we are, uh, like I said, we're, we're right about to the end of this season. It's been a really good season. I've really had a lot of fun with this, and uh, the format's changed a little bit as we've gone, and so it's been kind of an experiment, and kind of figuring what works and what doesn't work, and how to make things work,
1: and uh evolution is a real thing we're learning as we go i mean you got a head start on me but uh yeah i'm I'm definitely trying to uh to catch up to where you are so that i don't continue to embarrass myself week after week but eh, you know it's a process i'll get there you do just fine but
0: uh as always if you want to reach out and get in touch with us uh on facebook you can do that at uh, facebook.com forward slash Fuel your fandom uh you can send us an email uh the good old-fashioned way and and uh, drop off your show suggestions or anything like that at uh, FuelYourFandom at
1: gmail.com And the backup email address, as always, hasn't changed, is FYFTalentBooking at gmail.com You can find us on Instagram at, at @fuelyourfandom, On Twitter at AtFuel underscore your And and if you want to toss us a couple of bucks for the fuel the future charity drive to get comics into the hands of underprivileged kids we are also on cash app venmo and paypal at at fuel your fandom every week this wonderful man who I do this podcast with uploads the episodes to buzzsprout.com if you don't want to wait but if you don't mind having your content syndicated to you we are also available any place you buy fine podcasts at Stitcher at iHeartRadio at Spotify at Apple and Google Podcasts uh where else did you say we showed up last week we uh, Amazon uh, Music I was believe. it uh Amazon Music yeah so uh the, the fine folks at Buzzsprout are doing their, uh, their 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 job syndicating us to all the places where you would find podcasts yeah. but as always wherever you find us However, you get us into your ear holes, we are tremendously appreciative that you do. Absolutely, we are, and uh, like I
0: said, we've just been uh, kind of throwing it all together this mo- uh, this season and trying to get to the bottom of how we're going to make this work. I'm sure there'll be a few uh, little changes here and there as we advance into season four. God, uh, that's evolution is a real thing. That's hard to pick my head around. Is that I've been doing this for that long, and and it's just it's incredible because. Uh, I just, you know, I don't want to say I give up on things a lot, but Jesus, I mean, that's a lot of episodes. I mean, we're well over the, uh, we're right around, what is that? I like got 100 episodes uh, that we've done, or that I've done.
1: Well, that's another one of the only things that I do for this podcast besides show up and yap for an hour is I go ahead and um, write the, the, the blurbs, that, the, little, the, the briefs that show up uh, on the different podcast platforms, Buzzsprout in particular. Right. Um, but I've noticed that the the titling convention that I've been using where I sort of talk about the, uh, the season and the number of the episode uh, tends to cut off the titles in some of the apps. It truncates it. So I'm going to adapt that going into season four because... Um, uh, some of the titles are pretty descriptive and I don't want those to get lost, so I think we'll probably just go to a, an overall number. We're gonna go back and count and find out how many episodes we've done and then instead of saying season 2 episode 38 or whatever it is, we'll just say overall episode 317 or wherever we wind up, so that way we can actually get the titles in, in a way that makes a lot more sense, but you know, these are little things, these are little show notes, little tiny things that we need to worry about, but you don't, uh, <laughs> as long as you continue to show up and actually listen, then that's what we really care about. A- so absolutely. thank you so much for that. Jim, how you doing this, may, uh, this weekend, man? I'm great. It's been a really good couple of days. Um, I actually have the entire whole next week off of work because my boss got a hold of me when I was in Pennsylvania uh, two weeks ago and said, you have all this untaken vacation time. You've got 18 days worth of PTO that you're not even going to have time to take before the end of the year because of the holiday schedule. So take some time off. So I'm taking this whole next week off and uh, my lady is visiting me from Pennsylvania. I was out there a couple weeks ago. She came out here this week. So we've got some cool stuff planned. We're going to go do some fun things. We're going to hang out and have a good time, but being able to look forward to not having a week full of work is, uh, as much as I love my job, and I do, it's uh, it's a really welcome change for my overall schedule. Oh, I'm super jealous. Trust me. Uh, I wish to God I could take a week
0: off of work, but they wouldn't know what to do with themselves without me at this point, so... Hey, hey, all y'all, walk to the train yards. Do your best. And get some of these other degenerates that I work with to do their jobs. Yeah, it's tough being the best guy on the team, and <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily sell myself as that, but... I definitely am one of the least problematic of the group, I guess.
1: Um, well, that's why I'm here to gas you up. I mean, it is Fuel Your Fandom. Let's uh, let's let's guys each other up. So I'll, I'll I'll take care of that for you because I know you. I mean, that was the whole reason why we did the episode a couple weeks ago about another sentiment is because I know that you're not ever going to toot your own horn. So occasionally I gotta take up the slack and make sure everybody knows how cool you are.
0: I'll tell you one of the one of the things that I'm looking forward to with this, this break in the seasons is, and I know I'm kind of jumping around all over the place topic wise, but uh my comp- we never do that. my computer uh i usually just save everything to the desktop like i'll put a folder there and i'll save it to that folder um, and my desktop just gets cluttered with with all these different show yeah. folders and everything and my hard drive is just inundated with all the different sound effects that i download and all the different cuts of the show that i make and so i'm looking forward to going through at the end of the season and just kind of trimming all that shit out like Keeping all the good sound effects, tossing all the other ones, and and really trimming down my profile. I mean, this is a rather robust computer, but I don't need to bog it down with a bunch of uh, uh, non necessary bullshit that I usually do. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But little house cleaning, little maintenance—that's right, what you do on your vacation. Right. Well, and and then uh, yesterday, uh, as we record this, I took my wife and kids to Emerald City Comic Con, and woohoo! Had, uh, we had a good time. it was it was overwhelming, to say the least, and it always is. Uh, big crowds kind of get to me after a while and and they they spent a lot of time this year bragging about how it was always oh, reduced capacity, and everyone's gonna be following social distancing guidelines. No Too many people pushed around. Not at all. No, not at all. Omicron be damned. they They made sure people were wearing masks for the most part. And they made sure that everyone going in had either been screened or had their COVID vaccine cards. But other than that, no, it was a, it was the same old crush. It was the same old amount of people, and just it was it was overwhelming. And I found out that uh, my Star Trek uniform shirt that I bought uh, to go underneath my uh, Deep Space Nine Next Gen uniform uh, was made of like all the worst kind of materials, like polyester and 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 that kind of shit and unnatural material so it looks really really good and it fits really really well and it breathes not at all and so (laughs) i was i was by the end of it it was like i was a cross between overheating dramatically because i'm not drinking enough water i'm not uh in a position to you know really take the uniform off other than having to go all the way back to my car and take it off And then the panic attack of being surrounded by, I mean, and it's been since the beginning of this pandemic, I'm not used to being around huge groups of people anymore. If I'm on stage, I'm back, I'm away from these people. But other than that, I'm just not used to being around that many people anymore. And and just, I don't know, it's kind of set on a little bit of a panic attack. And so it's just like, oh my it's god. It's really
1: funny. We all had to do such social distancing and isolation shit when. COVID was it's worse and you know let's let's be honest about that like you know they were at the Comic Con um, it's not behind us yet we're still dealing with this new variant oh, yeah. uh, because people won't get vaccinated they won't social distance they won't wear masks because they think they know better than people who've studied this shit their entire lives and gotten PhDs in it so we're still dealing with it yep. but still I mean there have been opportunities like you just had yesterday and like I've been going to a lot of concerts live music is a big thing for me whether it's performing it or going to see it and uh, <clears throat> I've made up for lost time a little bit this last second half of the last year or this year um, just heading to see some shows and it is crazy because after a year and a half or even up to two years of not being around a lot of other people, being in crowds is a little bit anxiety inducing because you start to think about, oh god, am I far enough away from this person? I have my vaccination and I know they checked at the door but do they have their vaccination and it just becomes this this sort of thing where we got our brain chemistry changed we got so used to isolation and kind of being away from people that even though, I mean I'm a social creature and so are you, we both you know uh, have extrovert tendencies at least to be around people and kind of soak up that energy. It's on the one hand, it's kinda great to be able to go back out in public and you know, one of my favorite places to be in the world, especially when I lived in Vegas, I go back and I visit, is to just be like hanging out on on Fremont Street and there's a huge crush of people and there's concerts happening every other block and, you know, local bands, cover bands, sometimes even national bands playing and it's just a fun place to be because of that energy from the crowd. But we've just things have been so different. So yeah, it's it's been so different for so long that being able to kind of remind myself why I liked being around all those people. It's uh, it's a weird sort of gap to bridge in my own brain. So I get it. See, I didn't even end up, I mean, I ended up saving quite a bit
0: of money just to go to this Comic-Con because I know there was one Holy Grail item that I wanted to pick up, and there was an actor that I wanted to meet and, and get a picture and an autograph with, uh, LeVar Burton, and he canceled like a week before Comic-Con. And so, like, for understandable reasons, they say scheduling and all that. I'm not sure if it was actually scheduling or if it's like, fuck this virus, I'm going to be going away again. But especially when you get these actors that are getting up there in years, you want to be sure you take care of them. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. So I ended up saving the money on that. I did end up finding my uh, my Holy Grail item, which for me it was the... Uh, The lightsaber replica of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's lightsaber from episode 1, episode 2. And uh, that's, I don't know why, but that's always been kind of like one of my favorite designs visually and aesthetically. And and, and to hold on to it, it feels the best to me. So, I've never had it. It's always been kind of expensive. It's still kind of expensive, but uh, (laughs) I, I own it now and i didn't actually blow through all my money now my daughter jesus christ she went on a tear and like we told the kids before we went in it's like hey just kind of be circumspect with your money you don't need to blow it all at once you don't need to you know splash don't cash spend it all in one money. place kid yeah she actually did that and we told her a story about i have a, a friend of mine that uh went to a comic-con at one point and uh Walked in the door and set these like three or four items down at two different uh, autograph tables to get signed, not realizing that they charge for autographs, Mm -hmm. or I guess not noticing that they charge how much they charge for autographs, and blew through his entire con budget in the first five minutes we were there. And so, sad (laughs) trombone, right? And I kind of use that as an example to my kids. It's like, okay, you don't have to go crazy. And my son absolutely did that. He was very cautious with what he spent. I think he ended up walking away with, like, a, a wooden copy of the Demon Slayer uh, katana. And then he bought, like, a Resident Evil sweatshirt that he really liked. So, And he was really good with his money. They both walked in there with a decent amount of cash. They've both been saving. My daughter, on the other hand, decided that if she had it, she was spending it. She wasn't walking out of there with a dime. So she ah, went around girl and girl after my own heart, good for her. Bought stickers and she bought pins. I and I had to order her a uh, a cork board for her room. she should get here today from Amazon, but uh, so she so we can display all of her pins. She was very very enthusiastic with it. And on the one hand, as a dad, I'm like, oh God, I just told you literally not to do this. You're just going through your entire budget. On the other hand, it's like, well. I can't really say anything. My whole thing is fueling fandom, and if this is what gets her into it, so be it. You You know,
1: know, that's what you get for raising nerds, for (laughs) uh, creating smaller versions of yourself. It's true. Uh, Because, you know, I mean, you can't really complain about that. Uh, Good for her for for being into stuff and finding stuff she likes and, and, uh, you know, being uh, one of those people who, who... Jumps on that fandom. I mean, it's it's such a great thing to see, even though it is kind of like, ah, spent all your money. Yeah, but you got some pretty cool shit, and, you know, I definitely approve. Yeah,
0: and so walking out of there is, of course, you know, overheating, and oh my God, I feel like I'm going to freaking vomit. And then getting into the car and and hearing her gush about how excited she was that she, I spent all my money, but I got this, 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 this. It's like, all right, all right. She's happy that he's happy. they both came away happy, and ultimately, I'm happy. I got what I wanted to, so I mean there's something to be said for it, so anyways, uh, yeah, emerald city comic con I was glad to be able to go again, a little overwhelming, but you know it was nice to be able to 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 geek out a little bit again so anyways, not the thrust of the conversation today, what I wanted to talk about was. Now I've come across this in a number of different methods and ways. Um, It's called the Mandela effect, and what that I've got—I've got the exact definition pulled up so I can read it. So it's under a category on Wikipedia called false memories, and what it describes uh, the Mandela effect as. uh, False memories can sometimes be shared by multiple people. One prominent example comes from a 2010 study that examined people familiar with the clock at Bologna's Centrale Railway Station, which was damaged in the Bologna massacre bombing in August of 1980. In the study, 92% of respondents falsely remembered the clock had remained stopped since the bombing, when in fact the clock was repaired shortly after the attack. Years later, the clock was again stopped and set to the time of the bombing in observance and commemoration of the bombing so what this uh it says in 2010 the shared false memory phenomenon was dubbed the mandela effect by self-described paranormal consultant fiona broom in reference to her false memory of the death of south african anti-apartheid leader nelson mandela in prison in the 1980s when in fact he actually died in 2013 after having served as president of south africa from 1994 to 1999 which she claimed was shared by perhaps thousands of other people in the world. So it's kind of the idea that there's this shared forgetfulness or shared false memory that everyone has and these things that people just believe is so that, you know, all of a sudden aren't. And and there's a real fascinating uh, grouping of articles that I was able to read through that kind of spoke to this and and i thought it was interesting so i figured we could go down some and, and find out what uh which ones affected us because i was telling jim it's like oh i've never i'm not really don't think i was that guy you know uh, that oh you're the asshole that doesn't believe in this that or the other thing and it's like no some of
1: these caught me even and it's like oh i am the asshole fuck it okay yeah i'm fascinated by this because uh <clears throat> the mandela effect It's it's called that like you said because a lot of people remember Mandela dying in prison. That's the sort of first example of that. But the more you read about this, the more that I'm... I actually would, would kind of take issue with the fact that Wikipedia is categorizing this as a false memory. I don't think it is. I really don't. Um, and as much as I am not somebody who's a conspiracy theorist or somebody who necessarily places a whole lot of stock in the paranormal, some of these that, that we're going to talk about absolutely used to be a different way. And there is a theory, however far-fetched and outlandish, that I actually think might have some basis in truth.
0: Okay.
1: That when we started messing around with particle acceleration, <laughs> when we built the Large Hadron Collider at CERN, um, there were some physicists that said, we got to be careful with that shit, because if anything ever goes wrong, we could tear holes in the reality and punch big gaps in the fabric of space-time. And that could have effects that we don't really know anything about, because... We're, st- we, You know, our, our understanding of, of things like quantum physics and, and the fabric of space-time are absolutely in their infancy. We're just dipping our toe in the water of that, that bank of knowledge. And, of course, any insufficiently uh, explained science just seems like magic to us until we understand it. But right around 2000... I want to say 2016. Maybe it was 2012. I'm not going to look it up because, again, this is kind of pseudoscience. But right around 2012... <laughs> The Hadron Collider got turned on, and not long after that, maybe a year or two after that, there was a report that a weasel or some sort of, like, uh, ferret-like creature, something that's native to, uh, to, to where I think CERN's in Switzerland, uh, and again, we might need a fact check on this, but some sort of, like, little weaselly thing, some invertebrate mammal that can sneak into small places... Uh, got into the Hadron Collider through some sort of gap in the wall or security or whatever. Again, the details are fuzzy because they didn't want to admit anything went wrong. And it chewed through some wires, and they were offline for a little while, but it took them some time to realize it. So things were operating kind of skewed sideways at the Hadron Collider for a little while because the particular wires this thing chewed through uh, were responsible for something that wasn't immediately apparent, and they were still running experiments. So, right around then, if you think about it, like the early part of the last decade was when weird shit started happening. Things like, and I'm not a sports fan, but like apparently some football team came overcame like some 35 point deficit in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl to win, and they were you know they weren't the favorites. Uh, That was uh, not long after that when. uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway read the wrong best picture at the Oscars <laughs> and uh, of course Hillary Clinton got three and a half million more votes than Donald Trump did but all the polling indicated that she was a shoe in for the presidency and we all know how that went. So a lot of crazy shit started happening that led a lot of people to believe that something that happened knocked us off of our destiny, altered the timeline in some way and brought alternate realities to bear on our reality. And there are people who firmly believe, and they're hard to discount because these aren't crackpot, wild-eyed, Randy Quaid sort of like ranting and (laughs) raving people
0: Hello boys! I'm back!
1: That some folks went to bed in one timeline and woke up in another one where there were a lot of really tiny subtle differences. And again, these are really hard things to discount. Not just because these are credible people that aren't wild-eyed nuts, but also because uh, if you think about it, at the beginning of every disaster movie, there's always some scientist ranting and raving about something that could go wrong, and everybody dismisses that person until eventually the catalyst that sets off the rest of the conflict that comes to define the narrative goes on, and then everything is kind of crazy from that point on, whether it's the, you know, the, uh, whatever that movie is the day after tomorrow where all of Manhattan floods, or whether it's, uh, Independence Day where, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum and, and, uh, is trying to warn people that shit's gonna go crazy and sideways, and then it does. Um, so I, I happen to believe to a certain degree that there is some basis in reality based on what little we know about quantum theory and alternate realities, which we've covered on this podcast before, that something going wrong with the, the particle collider at CERN could have torn some tiny holes in the fabric of space time because there's no other way to explain some of the shit we're going to talk about because some of these things I distinctly remember as being the other way and human memory is faulty. It's very faulty. We all know this, but for all of these same people to have the same supposedly fake memory of something that used to be one way and is now another. And in some cases we're talking thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people all remembered something being different and now it's not. And then they go back and check like old videotapes they had in a drawer or old jars they had in their cabinet or old photographs or whatever and not only uh, is is their memory uh, not of... (sighs) really hard to explain. They'll go back and check the references and not only did the the alternate timeline change what's happening in our current reality, it went back and changed old photographs too. So they can't even go back and look and say, ah, see? This used to be different and now it's this way because the reality, just like when Marty McFly faded away from his parents' picture in Back to the Future, the reality of the past changed as well whenever we jumped that timeline. So, whether or not you believe that, which I'm holding out at least I'm suspending my skepticism. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying that it's plausible. Because some of these things there's really no way to explain it otherwise.
0: Oh, this is heavy. There's that word again. Heavy.
1: Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? Well, I
0: mean, that it is interesting. And, and whether or not it's due to uh... <laughs> whether or not it's due to like a punching of the hole in time-space, like uh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield and and Tom Holland are going to be doing here, whether they admit it or not, in the new Spider Man movie, uh, or whether allegedly they, allegedly
1: roll eyes right uh-huh. allegedly.
0: Uh, it, it is kind of interesting that we talk about this in in the vein of a multiversal kind of event. So I mean it's it, yeah. it's 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 little things, it's subtle things. It's never anything that really makes too big of a difference, but it's enough to kind of just set your mind on edge and just be like, wait a goddamn minute. You know.
1: There are some things like world events, like we're talking about, um, you know, Nelson Mandela, or another one of the big ones. At the risk of getting ahead of ourselves, and we're running down examples here. Another one is a lot of people remembered that Tank Man in Tiananmen Square uh, was run over by the tanks. They remember seeing this on TV. They distinctly have, have a memory of watching Tank Man get completely steamrolled by a tank. When that was not what happened in my version of reality, dude just walked away, yeah, he was never heard from again, and they denied he ever existed. Because, oh, I'm sure you know, he
0: ended up about. in a prison cell somewhere.
1: Oh, sure. I'm sure he eventually did die, but, you know, it's kind of the way that China ran things at the time, and in some ways still does. But, yeah, but that's another whole can of worms we don't need to open. Whole kettle of fish, can of worms, can of fish, kettle of worms, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, that's one of them. Uh, some world events, but most of the time it's little tiny shit, like... Consumer products or cartoons or television shows or games, little tiny things that you remember being one way as a kid and suddenly you wake up one day and, and it's different and you, you're not sure when it changed or if you're remembering it wrong, but then you stumble on this community and this phenomenon and you realize that, uh, yeah, a lot of other people not only remember it supposedly wrong, but remember it exactly the same version of wrong that you apparently do.
0: And maybe it's just because it's so close to it and, and it's so, like, endemic that it just becomes this... This belief in the one rather the other. Or rather than having like 15 different permutations. But look, we'll start with one uh, that you mentioned when we first started talking about this. It was Jif, peanut butter. Uh, people yeah. swear up, down, left, right, and sideways that it's not always been just Jif. It was for a time Jiffy. And I don't know if that was just because the word Jiffy was in the Common Collective back then. I'll take care of that in a Jiffy or... I'll have your car done at a Jiffy Lube or things like that. But people remember that peanut butter
1: being Jiffy peanut butter, and it's, it's only ever been Jiff. Yeah. Well, there's also the theory that it's, it's a portmanteau. The people have combined the two, like Nike, Reebok, Coke, Pepsi, there's two dominant brands of peanut butter in this country, Jiff and Skippy. And if you put them together, hmm. it's Jiffy. Yeah. So there's the possibility that people, you know, didn't got confused over brand loyalty. They went looking for one over the other and thought, ah, it's Jiffy peanut butter. But they were mentally combining Jiff and Skippy into one brand. Sounds like a very old uh, that's, man. That's thing another theory, but yeah. So I just give like, me that like, you know, uh,
0: Jiffy. I don't know, Skippy, Jiffy Jiffy, Jiffy, Jiffy,
1: Jiff. You know, yeah, whatever. Give me that uh, doohickey. Are you? Yeah, you're a youngster. You got one of those uh, Twitter face pages like all the young people do. You know, Twitter it's, it's entirely yeah. possible that's something too. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so okay, that's possible, but I, I have a vague memory of Jiffy Peanut Butter because I think, I, not necessarily, I think as a kid, I, I sort of remember having the thought that, well, that's confusing. There's Jiff, there's Skippy, and then there's Jiffy. Clearly, that one came along last, and they just got lazy and decided to try and <laughs> siphon off business from the other two, like one of those mockbuster movies you see that pop up as soon as Disney or Pixar announces a movie, then one of those cheap-ass... Transmorphers! uh yeah, one of those mockbusters. They, 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 You know, let's just jump on the bandwagon and try and siphon out business from people who don't really know what they're looking for. And somebody goes to the store and doesn't know what they want. Then that's ah, Jiff or Skippy or something like that. And they see Jiffy on the shelf and they wind up sucking up some market share based on consumer confusion. That's I, I think I remember having that thought as a kid. But again, this one's a little fuzzy for me. I definitely remember Jiff and Skippy. Jiffy, eh? Maybe I, I remember did the same Jiffy thing, Pop. Where I just sort of like combined those two. I remember Jiffy, yeah, Pop, Jiffy Pop popcorn. popcorn.
0: But I never remember... That was I on the shelves of the grocery store. I don't remember Jiffy Peanut Butter. I, we might have just called it Jiffy just because, like I said, it might have just become an easy thing to say, but...
1: Yeah, so that one's questionable. The, ne- but the
0: next example brought up by one of these lists I'm looking at. Uh, the Looney Tunes. Uh, Looney Tunes have been in the uh, collective consciousness since... Oh, it feels like forever. At least the 40s, 30s think, and 40s. I think Bugs Bunny and, was the 40s, yeah, yeah post-war. Okay. And so they've been... A Thing for quite some time and I guess the uh, the the point of contention on this is the way it's spelled is it loony? It's loony's always been fine. L-O-O-N-E-Y But tunes is where they come into the conflict there and say because a lot of people remember tunes as in cartoons T-O-O-N-S when in reality or at least in this reality uh, it's spelled with a T-U-N-E-S, Looney Tunes, as in music. Not for a and I've always thought of it as Looney Tunes with the T-U-N-E-S because of the fact that a lot of the earlier cartoons were centered around musical accompaniment, uh, and in particular, Bugs Bunny. Uh, I remember Mary
1: was- yeah, Melodies was the other was the counterpart to that Looney Tunes and Mary Melodies. Right.
0: So that one's not so much one that gets me, but I understand the confusion on this one. This one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because they are cartoons. Tunes has always been uh, uh, a shortened version of cartoons, and so that one makes yeah. uh, a res- resounding a lot of sense. I
1: mean, I, I get it. And if you got two words in a row that have the double O, it's sort of good for branding because it's a little bit alliterative, it's a little bit repetitive, it sort of sticks in the brain better because you've got two words that have that double O. Uh, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The only thing I can think of, the reason is again, I think a lot of things in terms of branding, because it's my job, but, uh, (laughs) the reason why I think they did that is just because of the counterpart of Merry Melodies. Merry Melodies and Looney Tunes, two halves of the same coin, and like you said, a lot of them had a lot of musical accompaniment, but from a branding standpoint, and from a stick in your head, and, and remember this standpoint, Looney Tunes with a double O in each word makes a lot more sense, because again, uh... It's cartoons, and tunes has always been a truncated version of cartoons. So that one makes a lot of sense, although I do remember it in my reality as being T-U-N-E-S. So this is not one that gets me from a, wait, that changed standpoint, but it is one that gets me, like you said, no, from just, that I actually un, makes I more sense to do the it. other yeah. way standpoint. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, that would have been better the other way from a branding standpoint.
0: You want to handle the next one here?
1: Yeah, this is the big one. This is the big one that catches up a lot of people. When you try to explain the Mandela effects to people... This one is definitely the example you want to use because it seems to be about 50-50. Growing up in the 80s, there was a very popular series of children's books uh, featuring a family of cartoon bears, and they were the Berenstain Bears. Or And this is one that I definitely get caught up in. Well, yeah, this is the one I remember. Berenstain. B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Berenstain. And I remember this being this way because I was very interested in words as a kid. I was reading before I could walk. If you ask my mom, you know, she'll tell you that I, I picked up books and started reading when I was very, very young. Right. So I started internalizing things like spelling and sentence structure and grammar when I was very, very little, and that have ultimately resulted in me having the career path and the college major and the job that I do. And I distinctly fucking remember Bernstein Bears being S-T-E-I-N because... I was also sort of like aware of like the diversity of humanity at that point. And Berenstein was at that time like a, a sort of a common Jewish a name. Common and I, Jewish I knew some people whose yeah. name ended in Steen. And they they tended to be, uh, you know, folks that, that that was a naming convention, a, 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 a word structure that I remember seeing even as a kid. But apparently, according to the creators and according to half the population, at least, that remembers <laughs> this, uh, they were never the Berenstein bears. Nope. They were the Berenstein bears. B-E-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N. Stain as in a stain on your shirt or a stain on your soul. Berenstain, not Berenstein. And it's, again, half and half. But this is one that apparently didn't fully make the leap of one fabric of reality to the other. Because this is one that the believers of the supposedly old timeline, an alternative version, have found evidence of. And it could be a misprint, it could be an editing mistake on the part of whoever produced this particular piece of uh, work relating to these, these this family of bears. But people who believe the old version of reality or the alternative version of reality, the same one I believe, were able to dig up old videotapes from their attic and old TV guides and newspaper listings of TV specials featuring this family where it was spelled S-T-E-I-N. Now, again, whether that's indicative of an alternative reality or just some editor who made the same mistake that I always did, apparently, of just assuming that it was Berenstein because that was the much more common spelling when it came to last names of human beings, that's up for debate. But... I distinctly because I was a reader as a kid. I was a voracious reader. I had a library card when I was four years old. Yeah, same. And I my, my 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 library in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, um, had a, a basement that had all. It was a huge kids' area, and it was like any kids' book section. It was colorful. It had this big cloth-up bathtub lined and carpet that I used to sit in and read all the time. I have a very distinct memory of that as a kid, and I loved the Berenstain Bears. Uh, and I read all, all their books, and I absolutely remember reading the cover of every book plus the content of every book, and they were the Berenstein bears with an E-I-N. So this is one that fucks me up. This was the first one that, when this whole phenomenon first started to permeate the pop culture, grabbed me by the lapel and yanked it, and I said, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> and this was the big, this, uh, for a lot of people, this is the uh, prime example, the, uh, if you'll forgive the pun, yeah. the prime example <laughs> of how people got to understand what uh, this phenomenon of the Mandela Effect was, and of course they use the uh, Nelson Mandela thing to explain it but really in reality this was the biggest example that I found studying this the the most collective of the people who had this effect happen it, it all pointed back to the Berenstain Bears so I, yeah. I don't have a horse in this race I don't remember uh, it could have gone either way for me so uh, this next one though got me and this one got me good. My daughter, uh, I grew up with the the Curious George books. I, I read them all as a kid, and they've been a part of yep. pop culture uh, for years. Mister the Monkey, years. Man in
1: the Yellow Hat, super cute, great right. kids' books, much like the Berenstein Bears. Right,
0: right, right, right. And and my daughter even was a huge fan um, of the of the monkey and 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 his adventures and whatnot. Um, but the, the, the part that we run afoul of this uh, Mandela effect, did he have a tail? Now, if you'd asked me this without even me looking, I would have said, of course, he's a monkey. Of course he had a tail. Why wouldn't he have a tail? What kind of monkey doesn't have a tail? He didn't. He's no, He's never no had a tail. And I don't know if that was just the way it was drawn back in the day, or why
1: he doesn't, but he's apparently never had a tail. Well, see, this one indicates to me that you and I might have existed in different timelines at one point because I don't remember Curious George having a tail. Much like the Berenstein Bears, I read a lot of Curious George books as a kid. They were adorable, they were fun to read, and perfect for my reading level when I first started reading. And I remember Curious George having no tail. A lot of people, the reason they remember him having a tail is because he you know, could suspend himself from a branch. He had a prehensile tail. He could hang from his tail and use his hands and feet to get up to the mischief that Curious George is famous for. But I don't remember him having a tail. And to me, this is not like a Looney Tunes or Berenstain Bears kind of example where, well, okay, so tunes, short for cartoons, makes sense. Berenstein, that's the sort of usually way that people whose name ends in stein is spelled. Those things both make sense. Uh, chimpanzees don't have tails. And Curious George is a chimp. He's always been a chimp. And there are a lot of primate species that do have tails. You're sort of lemurs and, and uh, a lot of uh, um, sort of not uh, African or, or sub-Saharan monkeys, but a lot of monkeys like island monkeys, uh, native monkeys from like Australia, or not monkeys, but primates at least, they do have a tail. Um, the smaller primate species do have a tail, but larger primate species, chimpanzees and up, bonobos, orangutans, gorillas, they don't have tails. Um, Maybe it's just because so, I didn't you know, know one... what species he was. I don't know. I never knew he was an orangutan.
0: He's a chimpanzee. Oh right, my bad. Well, see, I still. But orangutans don't have tails either. I still
1: don't know. But I think this thing because they wanted to sort the the whole uh, the underscoring allegory the sort of like idea behind Curious George. Was to teach kids to behave because Curious George is a mischievous little monkey, and he would get in trouble, oh, yeah. and he'd always be brought back by the man with the yellow hat. And be, but the idea was to give kids the idea that experience mischief at a safe distance vicariously through this little monkey. And because Curious George is always kind of brought up short, and you know the man in the yellow hat wagged his finger at him, and he got brought back. And whenever he would escape and get up to mischief, so. You know, experience your mischief through the monkey, but also kind of project yourself on the monkey and and and, and realize that maybe mischief is not the best learn, thing to get up to. Lesson. Maybe you should behave yourself. Yeah. So, making Curious George, he's very anthropomorphized. He stands on two feet. He's got a very human like little face. So to put a tail on him i think would have sort of defeated the purpose of hey you're supposed to project yourself you're supposed to identify with the monkey he's running around getting up to shit if he has a tail well you know most kids don't have tails some do but most (laughs) of them don't so it makes sense to me that he wouldn't have a tail uh not only because you want to identify with him but also because he's a chimpanzee and they don't so i don't remember him having one and this is one that definitely i can see it but it didn't get me no this one got me for sure
0: uh, all right, uh, moving down the list, you want to take the next one?
1: Sure, um, let's see, Oscar Mayer, The Meat Company, um, this is one that I, that didn't get me, but apparently did get a lot of people, and this is, again, just sort of like a, a linguistic grammatical thing that maybe a lot of people might have confused based on their own life experience, but Oscar Mayer is, as we all know from the jingle, spelled... My baloney has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name, it's M-A-Y-E-R. My
0: baloney has a first name, it's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name, it's
1: M-A-Y-E-R. But a lot of people assume that Meyer is spelled much in the same way that most people who have the last name Meyer is spelled, with an E, M-E-Y-E-R. But it's not. It's Oscar Mayer with an A, -A M-A-Y-E-R. And personally, being somebody who's worked in advertising and branding for a very, very long time, I understand why they would put out the jingle the way they did in order to sort of like drive home to people, hey, if you're going to the store and looking for this, which we appreciate and hope you do because we want to sell products, we're going to make sure you know how to spell it once you get into the meat aisle. My baloney has a second name, it's M-A-Y-E-R. So I think probably the confusion on this one comes from the fact that it is a sort of, un- it's, it's the less common spelling of that last name if it is your last name, but they wanted to make sure that they got the branding out to people, so they found it when they went to the store.
0: Right, and we were talking about this one before we started recording too, and uh, we are talking about jingles that kind of catch in your head and stick in your head, and, and, and the Oscar Mayer jingle is definitely one of those, and uh, it's and, and like you said, it was designed, I think, to make sure that we're spelling it right, in an age before the internet and before, you know, being able to Google it on the go. And did you mean M-A-Y-E-R, says Google? <laughs> right, yeah. I did, apparently. We were also talking about that jingle from McDonald's, the Big Mac jingle from back in the day. Two all beef patties, special sauce,
1: cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun.
0: It's your McDonald's Big Mac. You've got to taste it to believe it, you know what I mean? Uh, which, of course, is built to remind you all of exactly what is on a Big Mac, two all beef patties. Special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And that, I figure, served the same purpose. It, it's, it's just kind of a a jingle meant to stick in your head, number one, but it's, it's very, very catchy. And then number two, yes. it's designed to remind you of exactly one thing. This is what you're thinking of. If you're thinking, oh, to be bad, you're thinking of that Big Mac. It's going to make you want a Big Mac. It's going to drive you to the McDonald's and pick up a Big Mac. And I think it's the same... And you know what's on it, so you know what you're going to get once you get right. there. Right, same thing with the Oscar Mayer jingle. It's uh, it's spelling out their names so that you you think, oh, it's like my bologna. Oh, I'm going to go get some bologna. Well, my bologna has a first name, so oh, hey, there you go.
1: Oscar yeah. Mayer bologna is the first thing you think of. Yeah, that McDonald's jingle is one that I <clears throat> used to have to pull out because I had... One very overbearing boss at one of the ad agencies I worked at years ago, who, if I used more than seven words in a tagline to advertise something or to, 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 to sell something, he would come down on me like a ton of bricks. Stop. People don't have the attention span. They need short, punchy jingles. No more than maybe three or four words. Five at the outside. You got to, milk? You come up with a tagline that's short. Yeah, got milk? Just do it. These are the taglines that stick in people's heads. And in a rare moment of defiance with a superior work, I said, oh, really? (laughs) Well, I got two things to say to you. First and foremost, two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun. And the other side of that coin is the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, aching, coffee and fever so you can rest medicine. Both of these are incredibly wordy, long taglines. But because they were repeated so often and because, in the case of the Big Mac, it lists the ingredients. And in the case of NyQuil, it talks about all the things it's good for. Uh, maybe we don't need to necessarily lean on short, punchy taglines. I mean, they are, I suppose, the exception that proves the rule, but point is, if you repeat something often enough, and if you list the benefits or features of something, even in a lengthy sort of setting, uh, format, context, you're going to get the point across whatever it is the product is you're trying to sell.
0: Right, and I think that's one of the reasons that I never got caught by this one. It was always M-A-Y-E-R because of the song, because of the jingle, that I can clearly hear in my head, And, and... And, and yeah. so go advertising. We get points for that, I suppose. But because uh, I have a we have a chain of gro- we have a chain of grocery stores up here called Fred Meyer. And I've oh, yeah. always thought of it as, oh, I'm going to go to the Fred Meyer's and, and grab something. Fred Meyer's being pluralized or Fred Meyer's possessive or whatever it is. And it's it's just Fred Meyer. Oh, it's like so you should be mm-hmm. saying, oh, I'm going to go to the Fred Meyer. And and, yeah. and that one's always got me too, and, and I live here, and I can well, easily accept that. Some,
1: yeah, some businesses have a, a possessive and, or a plural, and some are singular, but it's easy to kind of confuse those. Like people say, "I'm going to go to JCPenney's," when it's JCPenney, or or you know, but nobody it seems it seems to only be that people add the s. They never take it away. Like, nobody ever says, "I'm going to go to the Walgreen," <laughs> but they'll say, "I'll go to the Walmart," or the JCPenney's, or the Coles. Well, Coles does have an s, but again, it's just nobody says I'll go to the Cole. Um, which is a popular chain of used to be grocery stores and is also still uh, department stores around here. Now, this is one I want to bring up, not because I think that it necessarily is a good example. It's just a ubiquitous example. I think this one is just because of the way that most English speakers pronounce things. Oh. I don't have a whole lot of experience with this because it was, I was not in the demographic. But the Sex and the City series, mm. um, that's one that people remember as being Sex and the City but it was actually sex in the city. But that's an easy one to mistake because the way people talk, they say sex in the city, and because of the way that the mouth forms words, it's easy to kind of dump that D off the end of and because C is also a glottal stop, the way that it's pronounced in city. So sex in the city and sex and the city both sound very similar if you speak the way most Americans do. So that one I think is probably not so much a false memory or an alternate reality reality as it is just people pronouncing things in a lazy way so that when you go and look for it later, you're not sure which word it is.
0: Yeah, and a lot of these run the gamut between, uh, holy shit, no kidding moments to just simple spelling
1: mistakes, and and I get that
0: right. Like this next, like one. other ones like Skechers. Yeah, exactly. Does Skechers
1: have a T in it or no? Fruit Loops, same thing with Looney Tunes. Is it uh, Fruit Loops, loops got with me the double O and then Fruit Fruit Loops yeah. got Fruit me. Loops really?
0: Right. Okay. Because the the common misconception is that fruit is spelled like fruit F R U uh, I T, and Loops of course L O O P S. When in reality. Fruit is misspelled and misshapen as F R O O T, L O O P S. Fruit loops and follow my nose (laughs) wherever it goes. Again, we were talking with the alliterative letters that we were uh, discussing back previously. It makes perfect sense to have fruit loops as spelled as as such, and as you can see, uh, they show a picture of that uh, along with it, where they have the uh, the O's replaced by the fruit loops. So that's, again, another clever way to look at it because you can put the image of the serial into the title. and, But, again, I just I don't remember it that way. I don't remember it as such. So Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So
1: that's all spelling stuff. But this one is also one that got me uh, because um, the, the historical figure... Uh, King Henry VIII. We've all seen the picture. Some of us might even have seen the uh, the Shakespeare play. I, I've I was a theater major in school, so I, I definitely went to go to uh, American Players Theater, which is a very popular Shakespearean focus theater here in my area. It's not far away. But you think of the stereotypical picture of King Henry VIII. He was a large man, by all accounts, historically. Right. And in his official portrait, you can tell he's a big guy, even though you can also tell that because he was fairly regarded as a tyrant, hey, if you paint me as fat as I am, I'll take your head off like I did my 17 previous wives (laughs) for not providing me a male heir. But the classic example of the the picture that we see of Henry VIII standing there in his his voluminous robes with his hat, looking at the camera with that dour expression on his face, um, a lot of people remember that he was holding a turkey leg. Yeah. And in this picture, he's got... Um, a, a knife on his belt, um, but he's not holding a turkey leg. He does have something in his hand that looks like it might be a croissant or it might be a uh, like a, a piece of cloth or something, but it's not a turkey leg in any case. But the classic portrait of Henry VIII—he's holding a turkey leg when, in fact, no actual of the time historical portraits of the king had him holding onto food. It does look now, like this he's one, holding I, a croissant. I, I, <laughs> Yeah, it could be a, a piece of cloth or something, but it's yeah. Again, it, this is an audio-only medium, but we're looking at the same sort of list of uh, examples here. And he does—he's holding something, but it's not a turkey leg. And uh, so I think this one again is is more. And again, in, in the Shakespeare play, he doesn't eat a turkey leg at any point. But I think this one is just due to the rise in popularity of Renaissance fairs in the seventies. <laughs> uh, every Renaissance fair I've ever been to, including the one I worked at for about twelve years, there's a booth where they sell giant turkey the legs. The turkey leg and. Yeah, and it's it's understandable because uh, it was a very popular food back in the time where they're trying to emulate, but also because turkey legs, um, a lot of places, a lot of poultry producers will sell turkey breasts, but legs, they're dark meat, they're a little bony, they're a little stringy, even though the ones that they sell at the Renaissance Fair are the size of a home defense club, um, <laughs> and I've eaten them, they're delicious, Absolutely. The they make them, they're really good. Oh yeah but it is kind of a stereotypical food people associate with that era. But also, I mean, King Henry VIII was known to be a very portly man with very over-the-top appetites. So historically, stereotypically, it would make sense that he'd be eating a turkey leg. And because it's sort of like the um, uh, a stereotypical portrait of excess where you're holding this giant leg when half your people are starving and you're gnawing on a huge chunk of meat. Um, but yeah, in the historical record, Henry Eighth is not depicted as or known to have ever eaten a turkey leg but if you ask most people to recall this photo or photo if you ask most people to recall this portrait mentally they're going to picture him holding a giant leg of poultry in his fist
0: so you mean he wasn't eating turkey thanks a lot marie calendars
1: have you seen <laughs> eat that turkey leg into the sun have you oh seen God, those memes see lately
0: that. and i know that's a that's a that's a relatively new thing but there was this just, oh, just to explain context there was this woman who Burnt the ever-loving shit out of her Marie Callender's pie that she purchased. It was a, I think at one point it used to be a pumpkin pie before she threw it into the surface of Mustafar. I hate you! But uh, <laughs> uh, it's this, I mean, it's black, 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 like a like a half inch of black crust before you even get to see anything that resembles the, the what would have been underneath. And she sent a tweet out to Marie Calendars on fucking Twitter, basically saying, oh, my, my holiday is ruined. Thanks a lot, Marie Calendars. It became such a thing because people kept blasting this woman on fucking social media about, like, first of all, how the hell was Marie Calendars supposed to help you bake a pie? Like, people are sending her copies of the directions
1: blown up to, like, an alarming degree so she could read them. Look, it looks like you're an older lady, but maybe you should get some glasses if you think it said bake for 45 hours when it said 45 minutes. Right, I don't even know how yeah, you this pie, do that. Did
0: you put it on this broil? This pie could
1: not have been more burned. It, it, it really did look like a close-up of the surface of the sun. It was awful. You might as well be walking on the sun. So people were just roasting the shit out of this lady. No pun intended. So like, wait, you don't broil it at 500. Bake the pie. How is this their responsibility? That's like if you hit a pole with your car and you write Ford a lot. Oh, thanks a lot, Ford. Wait, it's you're the one that fucked it up. Why is it there for? It's the new version of thanks Obama, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's exactly that. So this lady deserved every drop of derision she got, but yeah, absolutely ridiculous. yeah, but so so oh my gosh, now Marie Callands is ruining all of our memories of Henry the eighth. And much like Henry VIII, when you think about like a stereotypical uh, rich jerk, uh, the next one is also a, a pretty classic example that a lot of people get wrong. Rich Uncle Pennybags from the Monopoly board. You know what he looks like. He's got the top hat. He's got the handlebar mustache carrying a bag of cash. He's got a vest, spats, and the monocle. You know the one. Except he doesn't actually have a monocle. And he never did. Right. Right. When you're playing Monopoly and you see the mascot, the, the 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 logo, the personification of Monopoly as Rich Uncle Pennybags. If you've ever been to McDonald's and played the game, you know the character. And he doesn't have a monocle. Much like Curious George never had a tail, Rich Uncle Pennybags never had a monocle. The Monopoly guy does not have one. But this is one that I remember. I remember him having a monocle. I think what got me screwed
0: up with this is that I always uh, kind of set him alongside as image-wise as with... Uh... Uh, Scrooge McDuck and Scrooge McDuck actually had a monocle they both represented the same thing diving into a huge swimming pool full of money so I guess I kind of yeah conflated the two classic robber
1: baron rich asshole stereotype they they have the top hat the spats and the monocle right um you know if you ask somebody to sort of picture that era and that type of character they're gonna have the monocle And, and so it makes a lot of sense that he would but no, nope, he doesn't have it, and apparently never has. I see. And I don't know, again, this, oh, this is Mr. one Peanut. that I, I seem to remember. Mr. Peanut had the model. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, he did. But not Monopoly. Guy. So that type of that archetype of character, I think this one, again, this might be a false memory, although I, I shouldn't really ca- characterize any of these that way because I didn't come from the timeline. I don't remember because we didn't play a ton of Monopoly as a kid. Because, you know, nobody really likes Monopoly if you get down to it. I mean, it's really kind of an obtuse game. And My it wife and, loves and, Monopoly. She loves Okay, then I stand corrected. She's the only one, she's the only person I've ever heard that likes Monopoly. Most people just wind up kind of bitching out and flipping the board by hour five, but uh, yeah, I think it's just that archetype of
0: the character. We play it digitally, so I think it's a a wonder she hasn't thrown the controller at the screen, so.
1: (laughs) Makes a total amount of sense. But yeah, I really think this one, and again, just because I I can cast dispersions, because I didn't come from this version of the timeline, but I really think it's just (laughs) because of the uh, Scrooge McDuck Mr. Peanut, that type of character does have the monocle stereotypically. So I, I really feel like that's where it comes from, but maybe that's just because I don't remember it being the other way. Well, here's another example that's really kind of common, and this one got me too. And I I like,
0: I look, I like to be able to admit my failings when I have them in, on the rare few occasions. <laughs> Are you serious? And so I like to be able to admit to myself and to you and to all of our listeners when these things get me because I want people to be able to have common ground and see the same things and dude for sure Pikachu from the Pokemon Mm -hmm. series I think this is a good example of your alternate timeline theory because now if you picture Pikachu having that black kind of uh, accenting on his tail apparently you're wrong
1: Pikachu (laughs)
0: Apparently his tail is solid yellow. And I would not have put it as such. I swear I've seen it. And maybe I just browsed too many knockoff forums for Transformers toys
1: or whatnot. A lot of fan art. Yeah. Oh, God. Be careful of that. Oh, yeah, don't Google Rule 34 and forget that I said that, so let's move on from that immediately. But, yeah, Pikachu, (laughs) it looks like, if you would ask me to picture him, I also picture that he dipped the end of his tail in some black ink and it's got that kind of Charlie Brown chevron stripe on the end of it. But it it doesn't. And I think maybe this one, because I... Admittedly, Pokemon came along a little bit after I was a kid. Never really got into the cartoons, never really got into... I mean, you're a huge fan of Nintendo handhelds, and I, like, I think I bought the... Game Boy Advance was the last handheld that I bought before the Switch came along, so I never really played a whole lot of Pokemon games. It seemed to skew a little younger than me, so it was never one I got into, but I think maybe this one, in addition to being kind of like Pokemon came along right around the same time as the internet, and so a lot of fan art was out there, but I think this one, Pikachu does have a black tip on both of his ears. So I think it stands to reason that if something is sticking off a of Pikachu's body, it's going to have like some black accent on it. That sort of makes sense from a Gestalt standpoint, but you know, looking at this, I, I could go either way on it, because I'm looking at the same picture you are. And they both look right to me, but mostly because I don't have uh, the sort of history with that character that I think a lot of people in the pop culture do.
0: Yeah, and so, like I said, I, I admit when they get me, and so that one yeah. that one got me. And and I don't know if it's a just a pro, an alternate timeline or whatever else, but... I don't know. Now, this list is really, really long, so I'm going to start skipping around because we're not going to touch on every single one of them that are on this list. And yeah. there's definitely ones towards the the bottom of the list that I want to make sure we touch on.
1: Once this, But this one is also the one that got me going down the list. Fruit of the Loom. Okay. The underwear. We've all had Fruit of the Loom underwear. It's just a, another one of those ubiquitous American brands. And... Fruit of the Loom, this one messed me up because I am absolutely sure. If you look at the logo of Fruit of the Loom, we all know what it looks like. The Fruit of the Loom guys used to be in the ads dressed up as fruit. There was the apple guy, the grape guy, whatever. I used to love those uh, fruit ads. Fruit of the Loom,
0: they
1: yeah, yeah. The dudes jumping around, they'd have the underwear, and they'd be wearing the fruit costumes. It was fun. It was a, you know, it was a great way to sell the brand. That obviously it was an effective ad because we both remember it, and we remember it as associated with the brand, so it was effective advertising. But the Fruit of the Loom logo used to have a cornucopia behind it. And apparently it never had a cornucopia behind it. And I'm looking at this picture side by side, and the one on the left that apparently is the wrong one looks right to me. Fruit of the Loom never had a cornucopia, but I know that it used to be there. Hmm. I never thought about it. I never thought about
0: it. That's weird.
1: Now, going down the list, here's another one that I think didn't get me, but I think gets a lot of people for the same reason that you were talking about Fred Myers. Uh, Cheez-Its Crackers... Um, a lot of people remember it as being spelled with cheese is spelled wrong. c h uh, e e z - i t I-T, but they remember a Z on the end, cheese it's like it's a plural because you're getting a box and just one would be a cheese it, but you're getting a box. So it says cheese it's on the outside. So you're going to get a whole bunch of them in the box, but cheese it has never been plural on the box. It's always just been cheese it, not cheese it's with a Z especially just cheese it on the box. But I think that one, again, is due to the sort of Fred Myers phenomenon, where because it's a plural or a possessive, you want to stick the S on the end of it. But I don't remember it ever being cheese. its
0: I, 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 I don't remember the Z either, so... Uh, I've, I've scrolled down the list here. I picked one uh, for you. Freddie yeah. Mercury. Uh, the Mandela effect takes effect. When we think about Freddie Mercury belting out, we are the champions. Uh of the world, we are the champions of the world. No, we are
1: the champions. apparently, not this one. I think I just chalk it up to a lot of people remembering the song wrong because I he, he, yeah, he just... I'm a huge HBing fan. We covered this in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just ends. Um, but previously in the song, he does follow up with We Are The Champions of the World with the nice big flourish, but the end of the song has always just been We Are The Champions, dun-dun-bum, and then it hangs and doesn't... Comp- but this one is completely understandable because it does happen early in the song where he does finish up with the Of The World and in the live version of the song, and I've got probably six or seven different Queen live versions of the song As you that we recorded on official live albums and bootlegs of the years, he often does finish the live version with the Of the World and the end of the song, but it is not there on the recorded version, and at least in my reality, it never has been, and I've been listening to Queen literally since I was a fetus. My mom used to put headphones on her baby <laughs> bump and listen to A Night at the Opera, so I know that it was never there. Now, it was, that was actually on a different album, it was on an album from a couple years later, but... You know, one of my earliest childhood memories is listening to a lot of Queen, and that was never there, at least in my version of reality.
0: Right, and, and, and I, like I said, I'm the same way. It's like, I can see where they get mixed up with that, but yeah, definitely, if you listen to the song as many times as I have listened to the song, as many times as surely you've listened to the song, you know that yeah. it trails off dramatically at the end. And so,
1: maybe it's people who just aren't as familiar with uh, Freddie and his work. Who knows? Now, this is another one that I think kind of, it messes me up a little bit, not because I, I think that it used to be a different way, but I think there's just a certain pop culture phenomenon where, where we sort of fill in things. It goes as far back as, like, um, um, uh, Casablanca. Okay. Uh, where, what is the famous line from Casablanca that... that, that um, Play it again, Sam? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like when people think Humphrey Bogart said, play it again, Sam, in Casablanca. When he didn't, he said, play it, Sam. Or when people think that uh, uh, Darth Vader said, Luke, I am your father, when he said, no, I am your father. This is another one that I think falls into that category of just people remembering it wrong. But again, I can't cast aspersions because maybe somebody else came from a different reality. But in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the line was not mirror, mirror on the wall. It was magic mirror on the wall. Not Mirror Mirror, Magic Mirror. A lot of people remember that one wrong. Bullshit. That one I just think, again, is like people are remembering it wrong. That might be a false memory. But again, I don't know because a lot of people seem to remember it the other way.
0: And a lot of people sure say it the other way. The same thing is, yeah. like you say, with the Luke Skywalker line. Luke, I am your father. <clears throat> that is so oft misquoted. Also, uh, in the same vein, uh, is uh, Beam Me Up Scotty. You know that's yeah, ubiquitously very much like associated that. with uh, the original series, Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk. But that line never came out of his mouth. It was never "Beam me up, Scotty." He has said, "Mr. Scott, beam me up," or wanted to beam up," or. But that way that it's formatted in people's collective memories,
1: uh, it, it's never been said that way. And same with uh, Ian McKellen Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. He he never said "Run, you fools." He said "Fly, fly you fools." Fly. And in in Lord of the, uh, yeah Lord of the Rings, but also in um, in the Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter this never says me. hello, Clarice. This one got me. Because he said good morning. Good morning,
0: Doctor Lecter. My name is Clarice Starling. Can I speak with you? You hear it so often. You hear that creepy
1: little in in hello, Clarice. Yeah. And you just in that classic you Anthony Hopkins it. delivery. I can hear hello, it in my Clarice. head. Right. We now. all know. We all know it. <clears throat> Yeah, but he never says it in the movie. All he says is good morning. He never says hello, Clarice. This one,
0: since we are talking about Star Wars, this one fucked with me for a while, and I actually had to go back and look at pictures because I didn't believe it initially. Uh, C3PO, when he first appears on Tatooine uh, in uh, uh, Star Wars A New Hope, the first movie, uh, we picture him as this solid gold the oscar statue come to life following around r2d2 yeah. the the motivated trash can and uh we picture him as this gold shining you know uh robot that gets you know beat up and and abused over time and
1: ends up looking disassembled and carried and, in the backpack by chewbacca right, yeah. looking his age all these and things. all that and, and
0: so the thing that really sticks out at you is he had a silver leg in the original star wars he had a silver leg i and i do not remember this at all i had to go back and look for pictures because i thought it was full of shit too and in fact he did he had a, a mismatched leg up until the awards ceremony on yavin after they blew up the death star and he was now had you know cleaned up and polished up and looking good and and I think that they fucked with us on this one on purpose when we go back to movies like uh uh I want to say it was in the last Jedi one of the newer movies when he had the red arm when he had the red arm and he went out of his yeah. way to point out oh maybe you didn't recognize me because of this red arm you
1: probably don't recognize me because of the red arm
0: you know and I think yeah I think maybe that was just uh, uh the writer Ryan I think it did Ryan Johnson write that one I forget but uh, just his way. I of I believe that's why that was, at, that, that was done on purpose. Yeah, for sure. But I and here's another one. I had one to one that, go back and look. Childhood.
1: Oh yeah, because I remembered it. I didn't remember that either. I just thought, thought it was being uniform, kind of a bronze, brass, gold color. Uh, this is another one that fucks a lot of people up because it was a childhood thing, and of course, childhood memories cement pretty early. And things like commercial jingles and TV shows, repetition is the way that people learn things, and kids shows understand that, sure. so they tend to repeat things quite a bit. And uh, the Mr. Rogers theme song does not say, It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is a beautiful day in this neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Tiny. Tiny. It's a tiny detail, but it's one of those things that that definitely fucked me up. Because I watched an assload of Mr. Rogers, and I don't remember it being the other way. I don't remember it being this neighborhood. I remember It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I've only
0: ever heard The Neighborhood.
1: It flows off the tongue a lot easier when you're singing it. It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, but that's apparently not correct, according to the reality of this timeline. See, that one would have got
0: me. And and like I said, a lot of these are just these tiny little almost insignificant details that you wouldn't have noticed unless someone was... Pointing it out to you in an article. But this is kind of the way that the collective memory works. And this is how we all self-correct. is We have to be shown the error of our ways and and, and made to... Uh, Brought up short. Made to feel the fool for. And this next one I'm going to talk about now for sure. I, I don't know even how to broach this subject. I remember distinctly there being... A movie where the genie was played by actor Sinbad. I remember this one, too. The movie was called Shazam, and
1: I distinctly remember... And we're not talking about the Zachary Levi Captain Marvel movie that just came out a couple of years ago, because that was a great movie. This one was Shazam with two A's on the second A. Right. S-H-A-Z-A-A-M. And I remember the shit out of this one, too. And it had Sinbad the comedian in it, wearing genie pants and a jaunty purple hat.
0: Right. And then, you know, of course, later on in uh, our childhoods, we were presented with Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. And I think that might have been where we kind of collectively got fucked, but I don't understand where uh,
1: Sinbad and Shaquille O'Neal, who look nothing alike... And, uh... Well, they're, they're they're both tall and African American, and have an easy smile, and they have a high Q score because they're likable people. So that is an easy thing to confuse, I suppose. They don't look alike, and they don't occupy the same place in the pop culture. But they're sort of like, again, sort of like Mr. Peanut and Rich Uncle Pennybags. They're the same archetype of human, you know, big, tall, funny, good-looking, dark-skinned guys who are famous. I mean, I guess that's uh, that could be part of it, but. Yeah, but then this got messed with a couple years later. Because this was such a ubiquitous memory that a lot of people had, Uh, Sinbad actually did a YouTube video where he did a fake trailer for the movie that never existed. So a lot of people pull that up and point to it and go, No, look, it's a movie trailer. And they have to go back and say, No, because this one is such a ubiquitous thing that came out in the pop culture, Sinbad actually uh, put out a joke YouTube video with a fake trailer for this movie that looks like it was shot in the 90s when everybody seems to remember this movie came out. But it never actually existed. But I definitely remember it. I don't think I saw it, but I remember being aware of it as a concept.
0: I don't know. I I, I feel like I feel like it was real. I I don't know why I can't I don't even know that I've seen Kazam. I don't know if I've seen I don't know if feel like I would have watched Shazam, but I don't know. It just feels like it feels odd. I don't know. But when you got the actor saying, look, bro, I didn't do this. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I guess that kind of has to lend some kind of credence to it, right? I mean, why would Sinbad lie Oh, this one
1: also. (laughs) You crafty bastard. Here's one that fucked me up. Remember Smokey the Bear? I do. Only you can prevent forest fires? No, you fucking don't. He's only ever been Smokey Bear. He never had a middle name. Smokey the Bear never existed. He's just Smokey Bear. Now, that one's an easy enough
0: riff because... What is Smokey? Yeah. Smokey is a bear, uh, so you know. Say right. you know Smokey's a bear. You say Smokey the bear because he's the bear. You know, I mean, that one's. I don't think the would be a part of his name. It just, I guess, it's just kind of a descriptor, part of the descriptor. He's the bear, Smokey the yep. bear. I mean, I get that one. I wouldn't have got that one right either, but uh, here's another one uh, that I thought was a little bit odd. Uh, we were talking about. Uh, Lines in movies is what uh, life is like a box of chocolates from uh, Forrest Gump Mm -hmm. Uh, Everyone quotes it. Everyone says it that way. Oh life is like a box of chocolates and uh, he didn't say that
1: My mom always said
0: Life was like a box of chocolates You never know what you're gonna get He said life was like a box of chocolates because he's reminiscing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everyone gets that one wrong. In, in everything I've ever heard quoted, it's always, Life is like a box of chocolate. But that's not it. So weird, right? Yeah. I mean, we literally can go down this list for hours. I mean, there's hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of examples of
1: this uh, Mandela effect. that to... When you buy a Kit Kat bar, does it have a hyphen between the kit and the cat? No, it doesn't. Uh, the Flintstones, does that have two T's in it or one T? Is it Flintstones or Flintstones? Uh, I'm not even going to tell you which one's correct on that one because chances are you fucked that up too. <laughs> what color do you think of when you think of Chartreuse? Is it a pink magenta color or is it kind of a lemony lime green? Which one is it? Because I remember this one being the other way too. Little shit like that. It's it's just, there, there are countless examples of this and this is one that we could do a four and a half hour episode on just running down every example we could possibly find online. But, uh... As as ever, we don't want to run too long on these things no. because people have lives and
0: yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. Well, and then uh, one of the last big glaring ones that uh, that came out to my mind was uh, the Cinderella's Castle at Disney. Uh, so the location of Disney's uh, Cinderella's Castle, a lot of people remember it as being the entrance to the park, but it's not. It's it's further back in the park, and a lot of photos show. You know, a bunch of people gathered around it, and maybe that's why some of the earlier photos they show like a large crowd of people, like looking like they're streaming into the the maw of the castle. But yeah, I've I've been to Disney World, and it's it's recessed pretty far back in the park. It's certainly not the entryway. But a lot of people remember this. Here's one more that I gotta hit you with.
1: Go. I gotta hit you with this one because this is one that we didn't talk about. There's no context for it, and I want to see if this one gets you. Okay. So I'm gonna hit you with a cold and get a blind reaction of it. Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstake. You know, obviously they would come to the front door with the big check and then hand it to people. Publishers house, Enter to Win, all that. Who delivered the checks? Wasn't that uh, Ed McMahon, wasn't it? Nope. Ed McMahon never delivered a single check to the front door of any winner of the Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. He actually endorsed a rival company called American Family Publishers, but he was only in the commercials as a spokesperson, never delivered a single check to anybody on a doorstep. But I distinctly remember Ed McMahon bringing oversized checks to people, knocking on their doors, and having them jump up and down on their porch because they won a million dollars or whatever. Son that one, one fucked me up too, and clearly it also got you. Son of a bitch. Yeah, see, in false memories or alternate timelines, which is it?
0: It's hard to say. I mean, cuz I mean, it you'd have to take a really solid leap in in sci-fi, you know, thinking to to think that, you know, we're having all this fractured reality and everything like that. Again, it's it's real popular in the mainstream culture right now because of Spider-Man and in comic books and, and the Flash yeah. and all of that shit and uh, it's hard to really imagine it in uh, an actual relatable timeline, an actual relatable mm-hmm. what we have now. But I mean, you can see where a lot of these things might start getting a bit confusing. Berenstain, Berenstain, Beren, uh, Kit Kat, Fruit Loops. I mean, there's so Let many examples.
1: Double stuff Oreos did stuff have two Fs in it or one? I only remember the double stuff with the single F, but a lot of people remember double stuff. But again, is that just people filling in the blanks the spell on something that was deliberately spelled wrong yeah. from a branding standpoint and spell checking their own head? Uh, you You don't know. You don't know how many of these are fake memories, how many of them are people just filling in the blanks on something that should be one way or is another for a branding thing, or whether it's really an alternate timeline because the weasel and the wiring of the Hadron Collider tore holes in the fabric of the universe. We don't know. We'll never know. I mean, we may know someday, but we sure as fuck don't know now and probably won't figure that out in our lifetimes. All I know is that there's a lot of stuff that I remember differently, and whether or not that's my own human error, or whether it's a mass illusion, or whether it's an alternative timeline, is is up for interpretation, but there's definitely some shit that used to be different around this this joint. And I I can't quite put my finger on what changed, or why, or when, or how. Well, maybe
0: Doctor Strange will fix all that when he fixes the
1: Multiverse of Madness. Who knows? Wouldn't that be crazy? That'd be great. I guess we'll all have to buy our tickets for Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters on December 17th. Not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor, but you know, as much as we talk about Marvel, they might as well be. Right. Hit us with a little of that Disney money, buddy.
0: But, well, let us know what you think. Uh, which examples got you? Where were you confused with uh, the real reality versus your alternate reality? Uh, which ex- Are there any examples of the Mandela Effect that hit you that we didn't mention that right. you want to remind us of? Absolutely. Hit us up with those. We want to know uh, where your head's at, basically. And, and, and definitely reach out to us. You can hit us up on Facebook. At facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can send us an email the good old fashioned
1: way at uh, fuel your fandom at gmail.com. Hit us at the backup gmail address at fyftalibooking at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at, at fuel your fandom, on Twitter at, at fuel underscore your, and of course at the fuel the future charity drive at PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App at, at fuel your fandom. And of course, we are available any place you find fine podcasts. So, Please dig us up and put us in your holes. We appreciate you.
0: Absolutely, we do. And so, as I said previously, we are wrapping up rapidly on Season 3, this being the next-to-last episode. So we're going to have one more episode uh, to wrap up the season. We'll do kind of a little uh, post-mortem of everything and talk about our favorite moments and whatnot and kind of leave you for the holidays to celebrate with your families and whatnot. But we'll be back uh in the new year we have one more episode coming so stick around for that but from the bottom of my heart i want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the few you podcast and please do remember whichever timeline you end up in everything is fandom and fandom is everything take care with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little.